Father, we again are thankful for the body of Christ. Thankful that in Christ we are members of his body. As we interact with your word, thinking about its application to life, we want to be attentive hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Change is life. Our response to change toward the Lord transforms us. If we resist change, then we go to the world of sinful nature and become more selfish. The first family in history experienced change. Adam and Eve shifted from open communion with the Lord in a very good earth to marred communication with the Lord in a cursed creation. Cain was confronted by the Lord because of his worship. He refused to change, which resulted in his murdering his brother and a curse from the Lord. King Saul was confronted by Samuel after his disobedience in battle with the Amalekites. He was instructed to totally destroy them and everything that belonged to them. He spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat, calves and lambs, everything that was good. He refused to change his heart when confronted by Samuel, which resulted in his losing his kingship in time. And he also attempted repeatedly to kill David. Transitions in life bring change. Change is part of life. Change drives us to God, to Christ alone, or to a dependency upon self. And that dependency upon self may be expressed in a variety of ways. It's impossible to live well and wisely on this earth without humbly accepting and responding to change. The wisdom, and I will share the wisdom, I think, in sharing this morning and Lord willing next week, just concerning change. In the past we had discussed, and it will come up in the future again, transition in, my, in our church due to my aging. You know, want to phase into bringing someone on board and then have a smooth, wise transition given a number of years. We've also experienced natural change, normal change in our church. Maybe more, some more in the last few years than at some points in history. Death of a number of people devoted to prayer and to ministry. Some individuals moved from our area that would or could have been involved in our church. You know, they moved for job reasons. And there's some community and cultural shifts that have been taking place within our own community, within our country. But also, change comes as we confess and repent. And that's a lifestyle that we're called to. And then also, as we all well know, recently there was an impact upon our church when our church was raided. A search warrant being unsealed. That brought some change. And I realize much of what I say this morning is not directly related to any particular passage of Scripture. 
but it comes from a broad overview of knowing God, experiencing Christ, knowing and experiencing their character, knowing God's ways, at least in a limited way, studying and obeying scripture and leading for many years. The result is seeking to share some wisdom applied to the body of Christ here at Roaring Brook in the 21st century. I choose maybe to call it task theology, where we address change and not dealing with any single passage per se, but combining them. Change should drive us to find our security and glory in Christ and God alone. Remembering, remember, living in a fallen world involves change. Embrace it. Don't resist it. And I'm not attempting to put all change in categories or certain boxes. Just briefly share some categories of change that take place in the world in which we live. And the first one would come from God's direct intervention into history. God directly intervenes in history sometimes. Noah was living a life, and God intervened. Noah, I want you to build an ark. And we know that Noah built an ark. That was a radical change. And then think about the change that took place when the flood came. And after the flood, there's only eight people. And limited animals. Think about Abraham. Abraham was called to leave home. And to go to an unknown place. It was to be a sojourner. Some radical change that took place in his life. Think about Israel. They've been slaves for some 400 years. They're going to be leaving Israel, or I'm sorry, Egypt. The comfort of Egypt, when I say the comfort of Egypt in the sense that there was food, they were familiar with slavery. But now they're going to be in the desert. That involves some radical change. Think about the day of Pentecost. Some radical change took place. This type of change is rare. When present, individuals chose how they respond. But the Lord provided grace and wisdom. But we see that a number of times in history. There's a second type of change that is natural due to health, due to aging, Due to life cycles, you know, children leave, they go to college, there's a job change, there's death, there's disobedience, there's obedience. You know, that's just the way life is. Natural, normal change. A little over a year ago, my mother moved from where she was living in Richfield to a big valley into an assisted living home. That was a big change for her, a big change for me. Because I resisted that change for a number of reasons, but have accepted it. Abraham, in the death of his wife, Sarah, saw in his disobedience. Joseph, he told the truth, and he ended up in prison. Think about some of you. I won't pick an age here, but some of you are younger, some of you are older. And some of you are older realize that change comes as you age. 
You know, you don't do the same things as you used to do. We have health issues that can change radically. So there's natural, normal change, and that is seen in Scripture over and over again. Failure to respond to natural change will produce unhealthy trends, patterns, results, a downward spiral, it may be slow, away from the Lord and the basics of life. Change means we must make choices. But there's natural, there's normal change. There's a third type of change that comes due to confession and repentance. Due to acting on God's will, his discipline, his design, his pattern for life. Think about Nineveh. Jonah preached to Nineveh. And Nineveh repented. The change that took place in Nineveh. Think about David. David, we know, stole another man's wife. He had Uriah killed in battle. And he was confronted by the prophet. And Psalm 51 communicates that there was change that took place in his life just because of confession. The churches in Revelation 2 and 3, five of them, Christ confronts and exhorts them to repent. Change. Think about a rebellious teenager who's been rebellious for a period of time and as a parent or a grandparent, they've caused you grief. And the Lord deals with them and they're repentant and they come to you and crying in tears and say, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That brings about change in their life and in your life. Think about a marriage that is kind of on the rocks and a husband or a wife is convicted, there's repentance. And that husband comes to a wife or a wife to a husband and says, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It brings about change because of a godly sorrow, a confession, and repentance. That seems to be natural and normal for believers who are walking with God. You know, where there's repentance, there's confession, And that results in change in life. In James 1, James talks about the fact that be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That is, if you don't respond, then there is deception. But that's change. How many times have you confessed to God? And repented. And that means a shift in life. And in relationships. Think about the 46 plus years now, honey. That we've been married. How many shifts has Ruth Ann made? How many shifts have I made over the years? Because we confessed and repented to God. And to one another. Affects relationships. 
There's a fourth area of change. We live in a fallen world. And many times it's evil. And Satan also is given an opportunity to work, but under God's sovereign permission. And that brings about change. Think about wars. That brings about change. What's taking place in the nations in the Mideast today because of wars? There's people whose lives are radically changed. How about murder? How about rape? How about crime? How about sex slavery? How about divorce? It brings about radical change for people. We live in an evil world. Satan works. You go back to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. Satan came and he tempted. And they yielded. Think about Job in Job 1 and 2. Where Satan ends up coming to God and God responds to him. And Satan is given freedom to work in Job's life. And he loses his wealth. He loses his health. He loses his children. It's radical change. And Mrs. Job said, curse God and die. Don't be too hard on her. She lost her husband to a large extent. She lost her wealth. She lost her children also. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. And God did not choose to remove it. And the Lord told him, you know, my grace is sufficient. Think about the situation we're going through as a church at the present time. We didn't ask for that. We didn't cause it. It's part of living in a fallen, imperfect world. There is evil in our world today as there was in history. Much change comes into our life due to evil. Lying, crime of many types. Satan at times is permitted by God to be directly involved, which results in change. And even though we can't understand the Lord's sovereignty in the midst of living with the consequences of evil of others directed toward us, our life in Christ enables us to live for his glory. There's two other types of change we won't address this morning. There is wise change. There's times where we need to make choices to change. But there's other times there's foolish change, where we're trying to make a change to bring something about because we're discontent. And Lord willing, we'll look at those next week. But let's take our Bibles and turn to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk was a prophet ministering for the Lord, and just the overview of the book of Habakkuk will be in chapter 3. Habakkuk apparently for some months, maybe for years, has been talking to God and saying, God, you know, there's violence in Judah. You make me look at injustice. Why do you tolerate wrong and so on? And he's whining, he's complaining to God. He's lamenting to God. And God gives him an answer, and 
He says, Habakkuk, I'm going to deal with Judah. The nation of Babylon is going to discipline Judah. And Habakkuk, here's what the Lord says. And he says, then he says in chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, Lord, how can you allow a nation more evil than us to discipline us? And the Lord gives him an answer in chapter 2 and basically says, Habakkuk, you just watch. I'm going to deal with Babylon. I'm going to discipline Babylon. And we find when we get to chapter 3 that Habakkuk's mindset and attitude has changed. He's a humble man. He's a broken man. He's not lamenting to God anymore. But he offers a prayer. And at the end of that prayer in verse 17... Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now get the picture. Habakkuk is lamenting to God because Israel is evil or Judah is evil. Judah is going to be judged by a nation more evil than them, Babylon. He laments again to God and says, how can you take that nation and discipline us? Well, he says, I'm going to deal with Babylon. And Habakkuk recognized that God's judgment was going to mean for Judah. The fig trees don't bud because of the destruction that would come. They're going into captivity. No grapes in the vine. The olive crop fails. The fields don't produce food. There wouldn't be sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. We go through change in life. It may be natural, it may be normal. We go through change in life because of the evil of someone else. We go through change in life because... God allows Satan to work. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Habakkuk is saying that I think very applicable to the world in which we live and to our lives at this point in time. In verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. This is Habakkuk looking at what's coming. There's going to be devastation taking place in Judah. There's going to be Babylonian captivity. There's going to be all kinds of devastation in the land. And Habakkuk says, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And Jer, if you want to take me to the foundational council. In the midst of change in life, God remains constant. He remains unchanging. Whether it be God intervening, whether it be natural normal change, change that comes because of confession and repentance, change that comes because of living in an evil world, or whether it be change that we force as we'll consider next week, next week, or it's wise change. Put some counsel. 
Surrender any demand to know why. That is why in relation to the change, why has it come into your life? Why would the Lord allow it? Surrender that. I think the bushes ask, as I read there, the biography of George H.W. Bush, ask why when their daughter of three years old died many years ago. Why? You have faced some trials in life. It may be physical, it may be a family issue, a financial issue, and we're tempted to ask, why? My encouragement is to surrender the demand to know why. I'm not saying don't ask why, but surrender knowing an answer to the Lord. Yield to him any demand for an explanation or a reason or an answer for why it's taking place. Sometimes he gives answers, many times he doesn't. Secondly, I already stated, yield to the Lord any demand for explanations, reasons. And thirdly, demanding and faith or trust are opposites. Trusting is going north. Demanding is going south. They're opposite directions. Remember Job. Job wanted an audience with God because he lost his health, he lost his wealth, he lost his children. And basically said, God, I want an audience with you. And that comes through as you go through the book of Job. He got his audience with God. And God gave him a quiz, a test, if you please. And when Job was done with that test, he said, Lord, I surrender. I'll just trust you. I have you. As Habakkuk said, knowing God, I trust Job basically said, I have you. I don't have to have an answer. As we go through changes in life, whatever changes they may be in, whatever the reason may be, are we willing to trust God? If we demand... For even minutes, and I'm talking a bitter, harsh demand, then the demand becomes our God, and we sit in the throne of our heart. When we demand, then our satisfaction of that demand sits in the throne of our heart. Faith rests in the Lord in the darkness of life, which comes due to change. Change, many times, brings darkness. Job, the darkness of losing his children, losing his wealth, losing his health. 
darkness. Habakkuk. And in this case, the Lord responded to Habakkuk and you know, gave him some explanation, but not totally. Think back on your life where changes come for whatever reason. And with that change brings darkness. How am I to live and how am I to respond? Faith rests in the Lord in the darkness of life. Some of us may say, Lord, I've had an unresponsive child. It's been years now. Why? The Lord says, rest in me. May be dark, but rest in me. Genuine faith rests and displays rest by acting on Scripture, counsel of a local shepherd or guidance of other believers. And goes on. How many times over the years has the Lord challenged me? And I can share about myself, be hardened myself without offending anyone. Just to praise Him in the midst of darkness. Years ago, why me, Lord? I'm talking physical. I'm not giving you an answer, Dan, but I'm going to ask you to praise me because that's what I call you to do. Will you trust me? Will you rejoice in the midst of your darkness? Faith acts. In the last half year, I've been given some very, very pointed counsel at moments in time. And I guess the Lord has been giving me grace. They say, Dan, don't argue with the council, just do it. God brought people into your lives. He's brought other believers into your life. Accept it and act. That's faith in the darkness. Faith in the Lord accepts all changes coming through the sovereign, gracious, good, powerful, righteous, just, holy, vengeful, wrathful, faithful, wise, unchanging, all-knowing, everywhere present hands or will of God. And I carefully thought about the terms that I put there. Change that comes for whatever reason. Because we live in a fallen, evil world. Satan is at work. We confess. We repent. It's just natural change. It's because God stepped in. That has come through. The sovereign, gracious, good, powerful, righteous, holy, just, vengeful, wrathful, faithful, wise, unchanging, all-knowing, everywhere present, hands of God. Demands leave when faith is present. Job came 
to the end of his quiz with God. And basically, and this is Brubaker paraphrase, he threw up his hands and said, God, I give up. I have you. That's all I need. took him a while to get to that point. But God worked and drew him to that point. It is human. It is natural to demand and long for answers and explanations. Our own sinful nature, the world system, and Satan would lure us to demand. The Lord calls for faith. Rest in him. The Lord desires to use all change to bring us to find satisfaction totally and completely in him. You have me, the Lord says. You have Christ. It was a psalmist who said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the rest of the psalm, I think, amplifies that, builds upon. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Job did not say it this way, but in essence, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Habakkuk, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Abraham, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Not that they said that, but they came to that point in life. It's Jesus who says in Matthew 11, Come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Paul says to the Ephesians that God has blessed them and blessed believers today with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He also says to the Ephesians that there's a power at work within us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. Peter said to the people to whom he is writing who were going through persecution in 2 Peter 1 that God in his divine power has given us everything, given the people he's writing to and to us, everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The bottom line is in the darkness, in the midst of change, whatever that may bring and whatever the reason is, The Lord is sufficient and the Lord alone. We don't always like the circumstances we're in as a result of change. Corrie ten Boom, who spent time in Nazi prison camps, saw her family die because of Hitler being after the Jews. Wrote some very powerful stuff. Because of God. Darkness, questions, wanting answers, demands. They may be present. Change brings out a demand in us, wanting answers, whatever the change may be. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me 
to go on the heights. That's the God we worship. That's the God we serve. That's the Christ that is at work within us. And as we think about living with Christ being sufficient, then we can give up pushing change, as we'll touch on next week, which is not in a way that's not good. And we'll have wisdom as to when to make changes in light of the world in which we live for God's glory. Because if we don't make change, sometimes it's not good. Other times we even make it too quick. But that comes as we surrender to the Lord and want to follow him. We want the Lord to be our vision as we go through the changes of life. Let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn 400. Hymn 400. As you're turning to 400, you may have heard this account of Corey Ten Boom, who again went through tremendous change because of being in a prison camp, seeing her family die. And after she was released and years later, she would be speaking in various settings. You know, about God working in her life and what she went through. And in one setting as she was sharing, someone came up to her afterward and said, do you remember me? It was one of the guards. And she remembered him. And he desired forgiveness. She had to make a choice. All the change that came about, she extended that because she was learning to let God be her vision. Standing together as we sing. And as we sing this song, think about change that you may have been through and how you're responding to it. Are you resisting? Or are you resting in Christ? Christ.